YouTube is down, but we got Twitter. We got GoTo. Uh, if you're watching this, then you know where to go to. Outkick.com. We got Facebook. You name it. We got it. And we're going to do a monster show for you just because Carly Lloyd went off on the U.S. women's national team. Here, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of it. No, oh, this means I can be a jackass, right? I can be a jerk. I can be an idiot. But if I go with my little heart, then I'm a good person. That's all the women's national team was doing yesterday. And Carly Lloyd went off saying it was embarrassing, saying that people shouldn't do that after they win. Look, I have said this forever. I'm torn. First, I do not care about the U.S. women's national team, not even a little bit. But Dan, you're talking about it. Well, I got to talk about it because it's relevant to the show, but I could care less. There was no chance I was getting up. Look, my wife and I, the lovely Lee Ross, were talking about it today. Maybe these women just think it's a fun activity. And maybe moving on is the actual celebration. Look, I am so torn. So Carly Lloyd goes off. This is embarrassing. I'd be kicking things. Bye, 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 bye. Shut up. Are we just looking for things to criticize now? Are we look? I know Megan Rapino is reprehensible. I know these women are god awful. I know they can't beat a 12 and under boys team. We all know this. They're horrible. It's awful to watch. I get it. Okay. But it is the United States. It is the United States national team. And they did move on to the round of 16. And isn't that ultimately the objective? Sure, you tied. You tied with a country this big. Fine. Who cares? Truth of the matter is, you moved on. Carly Lloyd would be in there kicking things. Oh, stop it, stupid. You're giving me a headache. Or, or this is where I'm just verklempt. Or maybe it's just that these women, maybe they don't look at it as real sport. Maybe they look at it as an activity. Maybe it's like golf. A lot of people debate, is golf a sport? Many people say, yes, it's the toughest sport there is to play, blah, blah, blah. Other people say, look, if I can walk down the fairway smoking a heater, if I can putt with a cigar in my mouth, have 72 beers and play golf, is it a sport? Looks like more of an activity. I don't know. But what I know is this. This women's national team, I just don't care. I hope they win. I suppose if you'd have told me they lost and they were out of the round of uh, 16, I'd be all right. I don't care. But 3 o'clock in the morning, did any of you get up? And if you did, what the hell for? Three o'clock in the morning. That's the worst time. You can't, you know, if, if they play at five, you can set your alarm. If they played at one, you can sleep a little bit during the day, get up at three o'clock. Ah. FRO, friends and relatives only. But I know people have watched parties. I know people are invested. White dudes in skinny jeans, the effeminate male is all about it. The power lesbian couples all across the different states are yelling, yeah. Women power, man. Women power, man. And the effeminate white boy is going, oh, well, you know, I really think that if we could get Alex Morgan into the slot more, we would be much better. Shut up, all of you. Jeez. Giving me a headache. Speaking of power white boys, <laughs> a non-binary, which I think it means has sex with chicks. I think that's what, what non-binary means. I don't know these terms, but you know what? Nick and Dylan and these guys wrote it down here, so I'm going to read it. A non-binary rugby player. That means the dude that likes chicks, although I don't say dude, but it's a male, all right? 
He was the hardest hitter on the men's team, has been accused of injuring female competitors. That's right. Old Ash Davis is playing rugby against the women's. And Ash Davis ain't having it, man. He is just, he, well, he's crushing souls. That's what Ash Davis does. He just crushes souls. And you're going to see more and more of this. Well, you know, they should be able to play. I'm going to do all imitations today, all offensive imitations. I think that's what I should do today. Just if it's an imitation that could possibly offend, I'm going to do it. Well, you know, well, you know, that's a guy, girl, transgender. You know, hey, can I ask you a question? Remember I told you that story of the, the dude in high heels in a dress and Lee and I were walking back from dinner in Minneapolis. Hey, can I ask you a question? Get, get out of here. No. No, and I don't give a damn if it was a white dude, black dude, chick dude, dude acting like a chick, chick acting like a dude. The answer is no at 2 in the morning. The answer should be no about non-binary rugby players playing against women's. What does non-binary mean? Why do we have non-binary? Why don't we just say a dude acting like a chick or feeling like a chick is playing rugby against a bunch of women, and next, I don't even, I've never said the word chick this much in my life. I'm on one today. I'm caffeinated up. I'm sad we're not on YouTube. But all you guys that are on YouTube, get to Twitter. I want to see what's going on here because I get interested in the lives of all of us. But anyway, <laughs> chick. Hey, Lee, you're a cool chick. That's what I'm going to say to her today. I might get smacked. What's wrong with me? Chick? My grandpa took an alcoholic dude named Chick in. He, was, uh, he lived in my grandfather's basement. And he was old drunk. But he was a good dude. He knew how to fix everything Chick did. Anyway, so yeah, he beats the hell out of women. And uh, he joined the rugby team. He starts injuring opponents. But hey, that's what you want. That's what you want, right? Dan, why are you wearing a Cubs shirt? Because I'm supporting my team. They got beat last night. Marcus Stroman should be traded or cut. Get his ass out of Chicago. He's horrible. He is Mr. April, Mr. May. I don't want him tearing my team apart. Get him out of here. Next, Doc Rivers. This is so funny. This is perfect for ESPN. You got an African-American dude in Doc Rivers and a woman in Doris Burke going to do the NBA final. That's perfect. That is perfect. Now, what you need is to get rid of Mike Breen and get a transgender, and you're in there. ESPN, God bless you. Look, I don't care. Doris is a nice lady. She's a really nice lady. Not much of a broadcaster, but she's a nice lady. I like working with her. Me, her, and somebody. Uh, Dan Shulman worked together at Madison Square Garden. Had a good time. Tried to get her to go out for beers after. She had to take the train home. Anyway, because uh, uh, Shulman and I were going, and Lee was there, and we're going to have a good time. Anyway, Doc Rivers is going to join as well, apparently. Doc Rivers, who uh, has screwed up more jobs than any human being alive in uh, professional basketball, is apparently going to join ESPN. It's perfect at ESPN. You got an older white dude in Bream, you got an African American dude in Rivers, and you got a woman. I mean, honest to God, now put a lesbian, oh, no, 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 put a transgender as a sideline reporter, and your toes are tapping, baby. All right, nice. Uh, Trump and Well, Biden, I've said and I'll continue to say that there is a Mount Rushmore of God-awful people, nonviolent crime division. Certainly, Bill Clinton has to be on that, but that's for more his wang than anything else. 
Joe Biden is on the Mount Rushmore of worst people, non, non violent division because he's just a stone cold liar. He just lies. This is from the debate a few years ago between Trump and Biden. Watch this, and then I'll tell you what happened yesterday. Joe got three and a half million dollars from Russia, and it came through Putin because he was very friendly with the former mayor of Moscow, and it was the mayor of Moscow's wife. And you got three and a half million dollars. Your family got three and a half million dollars. And, you know, someday you're going to have to explain why did you get three and a half? I never got any money from Russia. I don't get money from Russia. I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. I have not taken a single penny from any country whatsoever, ever. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. I have not had it. The only guy made money from China is this guy. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. Question to you. Very no basis for that. Everybody investigated that. No one said anything he did was wrong in Ukraine. Well, apparently now it comes out that everything Hunter Biden did was wrong in Ukraine. It comes out that, in fact, Joe Biden did get the exact number. Three and a half million dollars from who? The wife of the president. Or the wife of the mayor of where? Where, you ask? Oh, let me look. Oh, Moscow. So everything Biden said was a lie, and everything Trump said was the truth, and our media doesn't want to cover it. Well, screw them. Joe Biden should be in jail. Joe Biden was on the phone over 20 times with business associates of Hunter Biden. You know what they're saying? They're saying that Hunter Biden was talking put his dad on the phone, speakerphone now, to discuss the weather. That's what they're saying. Devin Archer is one of Hunter Biden's business partners. He testified in front of Congress yesterday, and he laid it all out for him. Now, they said, did he ever hear him talking about business? I don't know, but you're trying to sell the brand. Who's selling a business? Oh, by the way, here's my dad. Say hello. I guess you do that. I don't know. But Joe Biden said, I never, ever took a dime, and it's documented. There are tapes, there are emails, there are all kinds of things that document that this, in fact, was a $3.5 million take, which means he lied in a number of areas, one of which is, I never took a dime. My son never did anything wrong, and there is all kind of documentation that his son did a myriad of things wrong, and that Joe Biden threatened things, and it was all for the brand, as our friend Pat McAfee would say. Yes, the brand. The brand was to get the Biden family, then the vice president, behind different deals into Ukraine and in Russia. And if, in fact, well, when, or truthfully, the fact that he did get behind it made him rich. I mean, it is astounding. It is not kind of astounding. It is absolutely astounding that we sit here and we honestly don't give a rat's ass about this in the national media. The dude stood up in front of the American people and lied. Just straight lied. Didn't kind of lie. Didn't sort of lie. Didn't maybe lie. He just straight lied. Looked at the camera in a debate and lied. That's why I put him on the Mount Rushmore of the world's most awful people. I do. He is on the Mount Rushmore of the world's most awful because You can't just have somebody come out and lie. And I got another question. I got another question. 
This was last night. This was last night on uh, Fox News. Joe Biden's got like three houses. Joe Biden's got all these homes. Joe Biden made $171,000 a year. How does Joe Biden have $500,000 home or $5 million homes on Rehoboth Beach? How does he do that? How does he do that? Can anybody tell me? Can anybody tell me how a guy making $170,000 or $150,000, dollars $200,000 has homes like that? Can somebody please God tell me? All you got to do is follow the money. All you got to do is be, have some common sense. These people are killing us. These people are crushing our souls. These people are billionaires. You know why they stay in power? Because of the money. Follow the money. Always follow the money. What the hell are you doing? Follow the money. That is nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen at all. Hey, uh, Amir Coffey got arrested on gun charges. You may not know who Amir Coffey is, but what makes this interesting to me, what makes this interesting to me is Amir Coffey is a player that plays for the L.A. Clippers. Amir Coffey's dad was a terrific, terrific player uh, at Minnesota. Amir Coffey played at Minnesota. Now, here's what makes it interesting. Amir Coffey's dad is like the uh, poster child for being tough. His dad was a paratrooper. His dad, before he went and played for uh, uh, Minnesota, Richard Coffey, he was like a paratrooper. He was a bad boy. He was a tough dude. And his son is just another NBA punk, just another NBA guy smoking weed, driving the car, getting pulled over, having a gun. See, I don't know. That's what makes it interesting. Hey, what's the NBA move? Ah, I'll smoke some weed and have a gun. Really? All right. Why don't you just do that at home? Why you got to get in the car? Why do we have to suffer the consequences of your dumbass smoking weed and getting in a car? I don't know, but I guess maybe we got to do it. Speaking of that, the commander's jamming Davis. I love just making fun of all this. It's one of the fun things in my life. Jamming Davis, he'd be jamming. Jamming Davis is apparently a guy that we're all supposed to pay attention to. Jamming Davis uh, will return to Loudoun County Court on Thursday after the court rejected a reckless driving for going 114 in a 45. He had previously got caught going 89 in a 65. Well, you know, somebody must have claimed racism, so the charge was amended to 84 in a 65. Come on, Jammin. Why we got to go 114? What do you do, play at the University of Georgia? We be jamming, jamming Davis. He's just hanging out. He's just driving a car. Look, what? I'm just driving a car. I'm just driving, what, 45, 114? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Should have said his dog was sick like that idiot with the uh, Vikings. Hey, man, my dog was sick. I had to get home. Not really. My, my pooch, he was sick. This I like. Are you allowed to do this anymore? Matt Rule is a new head coach. Listen to this, peeps. Matt Rule is a new head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And Matt Rule 
comes in there. Now, Matt Rule is kind of a flabby guy. Matt Rule is, you know, I'm sure he's one of these fake tough guys. Wasn't that tough when he played, but he's tough now as a coach. I get it. I ain't mad about it. But Matt Rule is the new coach, and Nebraska needs a new start again, a new vision, a new route, a new direction. So Matt Rule told this six-year senior kid, goes, hey, look, man, look, you're fat as hell. There's nothing I can do with you. I, you know, sometimes you look down when you're talking to people. I, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 you're a fat ass. You know, what do you want me to tell you? You know, uh, you can't be here. You're a fat guy. Uh, I guess you can come back when you're not so fat. Josh Fleeks transferred to play for the Cornhuskers. He transferred. He played at Baylor. He played his first five seasons at Baylor. And then he played a sixth, was going to play a sixth. I don't know how this all works out. But he played for Baylor, or he played for Rule at Baylor. Next thing you know, this wide receiver, well, he reported yesterday, was significantly over his weight, so he was sent home to make his weight. We'll wait and see how Josh does. He was 192 pounds when he played. Now, here's why this is important. You're like, Dan, I don't give a damn about Matt Rule and, you know, the fatties at Nebraska football. I get that. But what's interesting about this is are we able, are we allowed to actually discipline players? I mean, isn't there an uproar? Isn't there a bunch of people going, oh, my God, just be, you're fat shaming. Yeah, we're fat shaming. Of course we're fat shaming. Not only are we fat shaming, but we're going to make fun shaming. We're going to fun fat shame. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make fun and fat shame. Yeah. And who cares if you don't like it? Serious business. Why would I care if you don't like it? Look, Matt Rule did exactly what coaches should do. Hey, you're fat. You're fat. You got to go home. It's the way it is. (laughs) All right. I like Dan Lanning. I don't know Dan Lanning. I couldn't pick Dan Lanning out of a lineup, but apparently Dan Lanning is the coach at Oregon, which, by the way, is probably going to leave at some point, maybe during Dan Lanning's time. He was, I know, the stud defensive coordinator, a Dan Lanning defense at Georgia. Well, Dan Lanning is now the head coach at Oregon, and if you know anything about the Pac-12, which is what Oregon is in, Pac-12's having a little problem. What's the problem? Well, the problem is that teams are leaving. They don't have a TV deal, which is supposed to be announced today. Dan Lanning don't care about Colorado, and I'm with Dan Lanning on this. I am. I am with Dan Lanning on this. Let's hear from Dan Lanning. Not a big reaction. I mean, I'm trying to remember what they won to affect this conference. I don't remember. You remember them winning anything? That's all you got to say. I mean, literally, they left. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, um, well, uh, uh, okay. Uh, did you win the league? You went one and eleven. I don't know. Uh, I yeah. I I don't know. Um, that's all you gotta say. May not Oklahoma and Texas, although Texas had been where the damn, but the eyes of Texas are upon us, and there's a lot of money. Them leaving the league, you couldn't say that. You know what? You know what I mean. I mean, it, it is. Um, 
That's okay. But that's all you got to say. Hey, look, I don't remember them leaving. I, I don't remember them at all uh, winning anything ever. I mean, going back to when that McCarthy guy was faking everybody, having affairs and doing all kind of crap, and then he started Promise Keepers, and every guy that was cheating on his wife, at least that I knew, would go out to this thing and spout religion like, you know, we've, we've had a comeuppance. I don't know, but he ain't wrong. Uh, JT Poston, I watched this live, and I thought JT Poston, I don't care. I didn't care. It's not my money. But if you watched <clears throat> golf on Saturday I ha- or Sunday, I happened to turn it on. JT Poston was trying to win a tournament. He had a horrible lie on the 18th hole. I think if he knocked it in from this horrible lie, which was actually in the hazard, he was on a kind of a side hill, water right here, all the way around to the green of a par five. But he had a downhill bad lie, ball way below his feet. So JT Poston got out, let's just say for the sake of argument, he got out his five wood or his rescue club. And he took a swing, hit it in the water. Then he knocked it close, couldn't get up and down. All right. So JT Poston, because of that, he tied for second instead of second outright. Cost him $260,000. $260,000. That's why I love golf. Because $260,000 on one swing, not here to finish second, trying to win it, we'll make the decision. 10 times out of 10. All right. Guy won $590,000 as opposed to winning $850,000. And some little pain in the ass golf rider who you can just tell is being a douchebag. Good for Poston. Hey, look, I ain't mad at Poston. He's trying to win. I don't know. I don't think he really had a shot to win, though. He, he, you know, I think maybe he did. I don't know. I, I, he was going to be hitting two if he knocked it in. It would have been a, it would have been a two, which is an albatross, which would have caught, would have got him into a playoff. So I ain't mad at him. Yeah, he cost himself a lot of cash, but he made himself a lot of cash. Raise your hand if you wouldn't mind five ninety. This is why I love golf. This is why I've come to understand golf, because one bad decision, one swing can get you a loss or win of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Guys could take roids in baseball and have an afterlife as a baseball commentator forever. Guys can do whatever. Miss, What do you do? You, if you hit the ball three times, you get three out of ten, which, by the way, uh, is not easy because these Major League Baseball pitches are nasty. They throw some nasty stuff, man. But anyway, three out of ten in your Hall of Famer in baseball. I mean, look, golf is the most fun thing to watch. Most fun thing to watch. I am going to go back to Hunter Biden, his business partner. Hey, talk to my pops. Hi, guys. Joe here. How's the weather? We all know what's going on here with Biden. We all know that that's what they're doing. How do you live in these mammoth houses? How do you live in these monster shacks? How do you live in not one but two five hundred or five million dollar homes, and you're making what you make as a politician? Explain it to me. Anybody with half a brain understands that that ain't that ain't adding up. It ain't adding up today. It ain't adding up tomorrow, and it ain't adding up the next day. It's just a bunch of crapola. 
It is. It is crap. We know it's crap. So what? All right, let's say you didn't say, hey, look, uh, whatever the business acumen of the day was, but putting you on the phone when you're the vice president, you don't think that we know what's going on here? The level of stupid just has me mad. The level of stupid just makes me crazy. I mean, how in the hell? Doesn't it add up? Doesn't it just tell you, hey, look, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I just know that you got all these houses. You say you're not making any money. We know what your salary has been, and guess what? But yet you got all these monstrosities. You got all these massive houses. You're there on the beach every weekend. While all of us are working, our president's ass is on the beach. If you're, I had a guy today tell me, Dan, I respect and like you. I don't like your politics. Well, then you're an idiot because my politics are that of common sense. I'm sorry. My politics are that of people that are half smart, people that can think for themselves, people that have a brain, and I ain't backing down from it. My politics are also, I don't give a rat's ass that uh, Carrie Lloyd's upset about the team. Look at this guy. All he does is, all he does is vacation. Good for him. God bless him. He knows, he knows he doesn't have to do anything. He knows the fix is in. We all know the fix is in. Rand Paul announces official criminal referral, says the email shows Fauci's COVID testimony, an absolute lie. Yeah. The New York Post is reporting that our guy, Anthony Fauci, got up and did this and then lied under oath. What? Nobody saw that coming. Man, I got to tell you, I'm just telling you. If I were Fauci, I'd be like, man, why did I do this? Why did I do this? Apparently, in front of Congress in 2001, Fauci repeated that the National Institutes of Health had never funded any gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of virology. Rand Paul contended at the time in arguing with Father that the research done on viruses at the WIV, which got U.S. funding, matched, this is some acronyms, the National Institute of Health's own description of gain-for-function research and accused Fauci of playing word games. A newly surfaced email, February 2020, about a COVID task force call between him, his associates, and UK science Dr. Jeremy Farrar shows Fauci not only used the term gain of function to describe the work in Wuhan, but highlighted serious misgivings about the virus being a natural origin. So Fauci lied. Not only does it look, this is from the New York Post, look like Fauci was, at the very least, obfuscating, whatever that means, during the 2021 testimony, it shows that he and other senior scientists also took the lab leak origin story of COVID serious. These people are going to hell. Now, I'm not lying to you. These people got to go to hell. I mean, these people had this virus, knew this virus, and next thing you know, we all got to deal with it. Hey, a a lecturer, a college lecturer at something called like the University of Baltimore isn't letting her daughter see Barbie because it's too white. (laughs) 
why is it always these professors, black or white? Why is it always? Why? 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 Why is it always these professors? Eh, you know, Barbie, I don't know. That's too white. Too many white girls. Too many white girls. I don't want to see all that white. You know, uh, uh, African-American basketball players used to call it that snow. Hey, Danny, going to be some snow at that party? It wasn't cocaine. It was white girls. (laughs) Now, I don't know. You can't go to see Barbie because too many white girls. Man, African-Americans used to love the white girls. At least when I was in college, double D, yeah. You going to that party tonight? Yeah. Going to be some serious snow there? I think so. Who's coming? Don't know. Not sure. Okay. <laughs> now you can't go to Barbie. Man, that's sad. All right, Hookstead. No, 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 not Hookstead. Not Hookstead. Who the hell's coming up here? Oh, man, Eric Coleman's coming up. We have got, ladies and gentlemen, the start to hard knocks. The start to the Jets hard knocks. Eric Coleman, you know him, you love him, you hear him. I want to know a couple of things. One thing I want to know is this. Is Aaron Rodgers still good enough? Like, that's the bottom line. That's all that matters. Is Aaron Rodgers still good enough? What would it be like if you did have a Super Bowl in New York City? Is that overblown? Is the city too big? Like us? But remember, go tell your friends right now. We're only on Twitter. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, I had a quick second just now to talk to uh, Eric Coleman, former NFL player, currently on the broadcast team of the New York Jets, 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 Jets. And he said something in the real small time that we had together. He is at Jets camp, and there is a bounce to everyone's step, huh? There's an energy and excitement. Oh, yeah. When you, when you walk up to the facility, you can feel the electricity. There's, there's studio tents set up everywhere, camera crews walking around. Uh, the staff of the Jets is, is happy to be here. Everyone has a nice little pep in their step, and they're excited for the season. A lot different than in previous years? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when you get to training camp, everyone's excited. You know, we're, we're you know, at the beginning of the season, we're going to win the Super Bowl. But I think now that Aaron Rodgers is here with the pieces they've put in place, with the coaching staff, I think everyone thinks realistically that they have a shot to make it to the Super Bowl. So uh, there's that, that – that nice bounce of adrenaline that's that's going on here with the reality of the of a successful team. Hey, uh, all right. The dude is thirty nine years old now. I know it's becoming the norm because Tom Brady played till he was eighty. I get it, but is it reasonable? Even though he's obviously been very good, is it reasonable to ask? Okay, how good really is Aaron Rodgers? I, does he still have it in your mind? 
Yeah, it's reasonable to ask, but when you look at the makeup of this team, this is a, a defensive-led team. They were top five defense last year, and offensively, they got nothing from the quarterback position. Uh, they threw for 15 touchdowns all season. And then when you look at Aaron Rodgers on a season where everyone says he's declining, you know, he, he, he threw for much more than 15 touchdowns. So I think of Aaron Rodgers, if we can get the mediocre Aaron Rodgers, the game manager Aaron Rodgers, the guy who's going to take care of the ball, who's going to be a great leader, I think the Jets will be in a great position to make a, a nice run at the AFC East. Yeah, it is fascinating, though. I mean, we I, we just we, it's gotten to the point where some guys we don't even look at age. <laughs> right. I mean, guys like Aaron Rodgers, they take care of their body. Uh, you know, he goes out there and performs every year. Uh, you know, puts up big numbers, and you know, he's just a, a a special athlete. He doesn't get enough credit for his athleticism, but he he can extend plays. He can make big plays outside of the pocket, and uh, and he's become a great leader here in New York. You know. Do you, does he just show up and his reputation obviously precedes him? Does he show up and automatically people follow him? It's a little what happened last year, weirdly, with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan showed up and everybody's like, oh, man, there's just something different about him. It didn't work out. Is that I got to believe that's the same thing with Rodgers, right? Yeah, when you have a Super Bowl champ, a, you know, MVP walk into your locker room, Everyone is going to pick up their level of play. They're going to they're going to work harder. They're going to you know follow what he says as far as leadership wise. Uh, he's had a great effect on this whole team. He's walking around the locker room quizzing players. He's you know holding guys accountable. And and when you have a great player, you don't want to disappoint. So you want to make sure that you're you're studying, you're staying in the weight room, that you're not that weakest link that holds up this team from being successful. Hey Eric, is there anything happening here with Delvin Cook? You know, I hope so. You know, it, it, it seems like they're not in a rush to get anything done uh, as far as Dalvin Cook, but it would definitely be nice to add that piece uh, to this backfield. Uh, Brees Hall, a guy who was on his way to rookie of the year uh, before he got injured last season, he's going to be back into the season, but he, he's coming off an injury, coming off an ACL surgery. So I don't expect him to be full speed at the beginning of the year. It would be nice to have Dalvin Cook come in, start the season off right. He does it. He runs in between the tackles. He can catch out of the backfield. He's a leader. He can make big plays for this team and then kind of have a one-two punch of Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall as you get down the stretch of the season. That would be the ultimate luxury how do, for the Jets. How, how do you – how long does – how long? I mean, does it matter if he comes into camp even a little bit? What, what, what I mean, ideal you'd like to have – but is there a timetable here, do you think? You know, there's not really a timetable. You know, I know that he has some other – visit set up, but the Jets are trying to keep him at the facility as long as possible because, you know, once he goes into another facility, there's a chance that he's gone. And it would be a, you know, a nice piece, especially when you look at Aaron Rodgers taking a pay cut. You look at guys, uh, you know, welcoming him. When he walks around the practice facility, the, the crowd is giving Dalvin Cook chance. I, I think that this would be a great home for him. Uh, you know, the Jets would like to get it done this week while he's here uh, before he leaves for another destination. Yeah, you know, they always say, uh, don't let him leave. Don't let him leave because somebody else is going to have him and they ain't going to let him leave. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what happened when I was a free agent. Went to Atlanta. They didn't want me to leave. They extended my trip another day just to keep me from going to another <laughs> facility. And that's kind of how it works. Um, Rogers takes a pay cut. You just mentioned this. And in taking a pay cut, <clears throat> you know, trade deadlines come – there's been rumors about, you know, Adams, whatever. 
If you took a pay cut like Rodgers took a pay cut, would you be watching the front office to say, all right, I took a pay cut here. Do something with the money. Get us absolutely. some guy. I mean, would you be watching? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I, I take a big pay cut, I'm expecting you to spend that money and add some weapons that, that we're lacking on this team. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, yes, we need a running back. We need maybe some offensive line help. There's some key players that are going to be out there in free agency. I know Rodgers mentioned that, you know, once the, the preseason gets done, a lot of great players, a lot of guys who are making a ton of money get cut from teams for cap, salary cap reasons. I, I think that he's planning on grabbing a couple of those as training camp ends as well. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna spend it on me, you damn well better spend it on somebody. I mean, that's the way. That's yeah, the you way better make my life easier. Yes, I mean, give me another left tackle. Give me twenty left tackles. I don't give a damn. Let's uh, <laughs> let's go. Hey, uh, last thing before I let you go, I'm here in Indy. Jonathan Taylor and Jimmy Ursay are going back and forth. Ursay's saying, "Look, I'm paying market value." Taylor's saying, I, I, "Yeah, I don't care. I want to be traded." Uh, how do you see that? You know, it, it's a complicated situation. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was a, you know, he's a former rushing champion. He's a guy who is one of the best young running backs in the league. And uh, Colts don't have an opportunity to give him to do that fifth year option. So you're going to have to pay him if you want to keep him. And I think that he is a remarkable talent. It would be nice to show, to see the Colts show a commitment to him. You know, it, it's a really uh, a sad situation what we're in right now with these running backs. I mean, I played safety. It was a very physical position, but nowhere is near as physical as playing running back. You know, you're getting hit from every angle, every single play. You have to pick up linebackers, blitzing and pass pro. You know, there's a, there's a time limit on how long you can play. And if you're a young player, you want to cash in. You want to get your opportunity as soon as you, as soon as you can to get that financial stability. And if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm pressing the issue. I would like to get paid before, you know, my run is over. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things – let me go from management side. Management saying, hey, look, this – you are what the market's worth is what I, they keep saying around here, and the market says it's about $10 million. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, you know, your your house is only worth what someone will buy it for. So, uh, you know, if the market says you got $10 million, it would be – I mean, listen, the Colts can go a little bit over that, I'm sure, uh, to give him a little cushion because he's done so much for the organization. But at the end of the day – you know, all the players have to be realistic uh, as far as what they're expecting financially. No, I agree. I appreciate you. Have a great day at camp, man. It's fun when things go well, right? I mean, it's fun when there's excitement and energy. Yeah, we'll see. We're 0-0 right now. We'll see how it goes as the season develops. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Coach. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you, Eric. That's Eric Coleman live from Jets camp. Jets get ready to Well, the trailers are already out about hard knocks, and as expected, a lot of it is going to focus on Aaron Rodgers. You know, a lot of people say, I'm not watching, I am watching. I don't know. I watch. I mean, if I know that it's on, then I am watching. I just am. This, you know, every time, and this is kind of weird, but I remember as a player going back a thousand years, when NBC was coming in to do a Sunday game, and you had Dick Enberg and Al McGuire and, uh, excuse me, Billy Packer coming in. It was great. There was an energy to it. There just was. A college campus on a football Saturday, you know, a Big Ten, even though it's Indiana and we're not the greatest in the foots, uh, a college campus on a football Saturday is spectacular. You know, there's an energy to it. There's a vibe to it. By the way, 
I don't know how you people wear these jerseys on hot summer days. I can't stand wearing it right now. I got it open. I got my Mark Gray signature over here. I can't, or over here, I guess. I can't stand it. Like, these things are hot. You go to Wrigley, it's 10,000 degrees, and you're going to wear this? Oh, I don't think so. That's insanity to me. Hey, Bill Maher. Bill Maher is not happy. Bill Maher is coming to the center. I'm not going to say Bill Maher is going to the right. I'm just saying Bill Maher has lost his crazy, ridiculous, I'm so far left, you're all wrong, I'm right. I wouldn't say that I'm glad I went to college, but when I went to college, college had not yet become the insane places they are now. I mean, elite American college, I know people think, oh, Bill, you've taken the red pill or whatever. No, I've looked at this pretty carefully. What goes on in college is insanity. That's where all this stupid, nutty, woke S emanates from. Here's the main difference. When I went, I was allowed to learn Western civilization. I think it was the course. In other words, or European history. You're not supposed to do that anymore because white people are toxic and terrible. I don't think white people are toxic and terrible. I don't think black people are toxic and terrible. I don't think any of them. I don't think anybody's toxic and terrible. I think every group has folks that are toxic and terrible. I do. Every group, broadcasters, entertainers, cops, everybody. Everybody's got somebody in it that's toxic and terrible. But let's be honest here. Colleges suck these days. And all you got to do is read. All you got to do is pay attention. College professor does this. College professor, I won't take my daughter to see Barbie because it's too white. Yeah, okay. I won't. I won't. I should. I won't. Shut up. Man. He vilified me by saying he wouldn't go in a pool. It's violence. No, oh, shut up. Hey, Jimmy Ursay has a PR problem. Jimmy Ursay is going back and forth right now with his running back, his star running back. And most people in this city are dumb enough to blame the agent. Most people are saying it's the agent's fault, thus saying that Jonathan Taylor, star running back of the Colts, is not smart enough to handle his own business. Well, I digress. Jonathan Taylor is more than smart enough. Jonathan Taylor is a brilliant man. Uh, The legend is, I don't know if it's true or not, you know how these things go, Jonathan Taylor could have gotten into Harvard or, in fact, did get into Harvard. I don't know. I really don't. I have no idea. But that's the legend. So let's just say Jonathan Taylor is really smart. Well, Jonathan Taylor and Jimmy Ursay are going back and forth. Ah, bah. And Jonathan Taylor actually got a little more leverage yesterday because Zach Moss, the guy who is going to replace Jonathan Taylor at running back, well, he is hurt. And the Colts never have the stones to go get a guy like Dalvin Cook. They just don't have the nuts, sack uh, at general manager. But anyway, Jimmy Ursay knows. He has a PR crisis on his hands. So at camp the other day, here, ladies and gentlemen, is what happened. Okay, Mayor, God bless. Good to see you. Thanks again. Mr. Hershey, I never win a Twitter contest. Can I get a signature? Can't stop but give this to that man. Mr. Hershey, he's a man. A boatload of cash. $2,000. And it's so high. You got a signature. Let me see it. Let me see it. 
Dude, I, I enter all of his Twitter contests and I never win. I never win, this is awesome. Way cool, thank you so much. Mr. Ursay, I just wanna say thank you again for your generosity last night. My family and I plan to use the money to make some more family memories, maybe some concerts, rounds of golf, or even a Colts game or two. We're super excited. Thank you again, and go Colts. Yeah, that's pretty nice. It's pretty smart, too. Hey, look, when you're in crisis, hand out cash. Cash spends, baby. You're damn right. Cash spends. As I said, more bad news for the Colts. Zach Moss, who came over in a trade, he was going to be the starting running back. He was going to replace Jonathan Taylor. Well, guess what? Zach Moss is hurt. Zach Moss broke his arm, and Zach Moss is going to be out for a while. That's bad news. That's very, very bad news because, look, I live in Indy, and as we just talked about with Eric Coleman, you want your team to be good. Sure, I criticize him. It's what I'm supposed to do. I'm a coach. I see the good. I see the bad. Look, I'm with you, winner tie. My own father told me that. My own father was a Bowling Green alum. When I became the head coach, he's like, hey, coach, talking to me. I'm with you. Winner tie, baby. I'm like, oh, okay. My own dad. But hey, you know what? The family motto is sack the hell up. The family motto basically says stop whining and go get to work. Damn it. Go get to work. So that's what you do. So anyway. I don't know how to respond. Oh, to you that. be quiet. There's no, I didn't even touch you, Siri. Siri, you and I are throwing hands, baby. Nuh uh. The deep state is watching us. The deep state is always watching us, and I'm not having it. Pee Wee Herman died. Pee Wee Herman died, and I don't like it. See, most people remember uh, Paul Rubens as Pee Wee Herman. Some people may remember Paul Rubens as a guy that went into the movie theater and did himself. You know what I mean? Got himself going. All right? Well, P Paul Rubens was a very, very, very talented actor. He obviously had the Pee Wee Herman mantra. He had the Pee Wee Herman franchise. It was a creepy franchise. And I'm not going to lie to you. I did not follow it. I did not watch it. I did not. He's kind of like what that Dylan Mulvaney is now. Kind of. Now, this is what they said about it. Last night we said farewell to Paul Rubens, an iconic American actor, comedian, writer, producer, whose beloved character, Pee Wee Herman, delighted generations of children and adults with his positivity, whimsy, and brief in the importance of kindness. Paul bravely and privately fought, fought cancer for years with his trademark tenacity and wit. A gifted and prolific talent, he will forever live in a comedian pantheon and in our hearts as a treasured friend, man of remarkable character and generosity of spirit. It had not been, and this is fascinating to me, there are different ways to go about it. There are different ways to go about cancer. I like what, I like what Dick Vitale is doing. Dick Vitale is fighting cancer, and Dick Vitale is being very public. He's showing videos. He's showing pictures, Twitter, Instagram, of him going in for MRIs. He's taking you through the journey with him, and that inspires a lot of people. Other people don't like it. Other people don't. Other people say, wait a second, this is not how I want to go through it. It's hard enough. I want to go through it privately with family or friends. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, either way is fine with me. Either way is one of those deals where, yeah, um, mm. 
But Pee Wee Herman was also a bit of a creep. He was sentenced to three years probation, pled guilty misdemeanor obscenity charge involving photographs of minors engaged in sexual content. content. Somehow Pee Wee Herman survived all that. Good for him, I guess. I don't know. I, I always have a hard time with that. I, you know what? I, I don't. I, go, Paul Rubens died. Paul Rubens died. All right? Paul Rubens died. Uh, John Lynch is the general manager of the team that just, I swear to God. Now, let's talk football for just a second. Do you think you could play quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers and lead them into the playoffs? I'm not saying you'd win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying you'd win a playoff game. I said lead them into the playoffs. That's what it feels like. All right, Jimmy G, quarterback. I had to go to the Super Bowl. I had a one interception away from going to another Super Bowl. Brock Purdy gets in there. Hey, they're going to another one. He gets hurt. Next thing you know, Brock Purdy was like the last pick in the draft. So John Lynch is a GM of actual substance. Here in Indianapolis, we have a mythical GM. We have a mythical great GM. We have a GM that is great in PR only. We have a GM that because of what he did as an assistant GM and because of how he backstabbed the GM here in Indianapolis, Ryan Grigson, he became an icon. He became an icon without ever doing nearly what John Lynch did. John Lynch built the team. John Lynch built the culture. John Lynch built winning. And I would argue right now, if you were going to say to me, other than the Kansas City Chiefs, who's got the best culture in the NFL, I would say it's John Lynch. Now, John Lynch may have a problem. John Lynch has his star edge rusher, Nick Boza, sitting out through contract negotiations. Now, Nick Boza's a stud. Nick Boza may be a little bit weird, a little bit, I don't know, there's something about him I don't like, but that's not for me to like. It doesn't matter what I like. It matters what John Lynch likes. And I'm of the ilk, and why am I bringing this up? I'll tell you why I'm bringing this up. Because I believe that John Lynch has a total handle on his team. John Lynch is what we wish the Colts were. We wish the Colts had a guy running the joint that was going to help us win regardless of what happened. It's almost like we have to here in Indianapolis have the perfect scenario to win something. That was a soliloquy on both the Colts and, well, the 49ers. Brian Harkins at Sticky Stuff. He was a Sticky Stuff dealer. Brian Harkins, what are you doing? Brian Harkins, I ain't mad at you. Now, Brian Harkins got fired. And I'll discuss this uh, here in a minute. Brian Harkins. Um, <laughs> Brian Harkins is a guy that the Angels, ah, man, Brian Harkins, he provided Sticky Stuff to the Angels. Listen to this. Now, this is just weird. The provider of sticky stuff. He's a longtime clubhouse attendant. He was fired for distributing foreign substances to players. Yeah, this has been going on for three years. He'd worked in the visiting clubhouse at Angel Stadium since 90. He was fired in 2020. In the early stages of Major League Baseball's crackdown on sticky stuff, sticky substance, that were taking spin rates to high level. He crafted a blend. So this guy was an inventor. Listen, this is pretty cool. He crafted a blend of pine tar, 
Rosin and Moda stick, a glue used to grip bats, that became popular among pitchers. But it violated a memo that emphasized the rule disallowing illegal substances on the hands. Well, they felt, Harkins' attorney, the inventor, felt like, well, I'm getting screwed here. I'm getting screwed here. So it was a three-year ordeal. Next thing you know, they're not saying who paid what, and away we go. All right. There was testimony. There were depositions. Hey, man, did you give the sticky stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. There's some funny stuff we worry about. I got to tell you, I would never have thought that we would be on this. Man. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. I'm tired of Damian Lillard. That is all. Uh, An ex-Auburn football player was locked in a nasty custody battle with his ex-cheerleader's wife when the old gal decided she and her new lover were going to kill the man. That's right. They were going to kill the man. They were going to, well, they were going to kill him. The ex-Auburn football player was uh, in the behind, well, the lover, the woman and her lover, the little cheerleader. A Georgia woman, this cheerleader, uh, Lindsay Shiver, her lover, Terrence Bethel, and Farron Newberg were arrested in an alleged plot to kill former Auburn football player Robert Shiver. That's right. Uh, Police uncovered the plot to kill the former football player while investigating a break-in at Grabber's Bar and Grill on Great Kiwana K. Investigators came across a WhatsApp messages that detailed the alleged assassination plan while searching the suspect's phone. Silver, Bethel, and Newbold appeared before an acting magistrate. They're due back in court on the 5th. According to the newspaper, Shiver met her alleged lover near the house she owned with Robert Shiver, her husband, who is reported to have found out or filed for divorce after the, the skank was throwing it around with some dude. Shiver played for Auburn. He was a long snapper. Yeah. Apparently in 2020, they had the perfect marriage and they were giving advice. The key to a perfect marriage is having two imperfect people who refuse to give up on each other. Yay. Yeah. All right. Well, next thing you know, old gal is, uh, well, I don't know. She's trying to kill the dude because she found another dude to stup her. Isn't it amazing? It's always one of two things. It's either sex or it's money. So old girl here was locked in a nasty custody battle because they got kids. Well, I would guess, I would guess that old Robert Shiver probably won custody because the skank was throwing it around with some other dirt bag. The husband, Shiver, found out. They got in a custody battle. That old girl, the the skank, the guy, or the skanky guy too, and some dirtbag were plotting to kill him. Man, that's some deep stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. That, to me, is some incredibly deep stuff. All right. I got five. My man Guns has five. We both have five of the most iconic 
pictures ever in sports. I want yours. I wish we were on the YouTube chat because you guys would be telling me I'm an idiot. I got my five. A couple of them cross over. Iconic sports pictures. Can be boxing, can be football, can be baseball, hockey, basketball, you name it. Can be the Olympic. Doesn't matter. One I did not put in there it was, and it happened, I think, yesterday. In 1976, Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner, which just boggles the mind, won the decathlon in an era where the decathlon was a big deal, and he was running around with an American flag, and it's an iconic photo. It is. I wonder if Guns has that. I don't know, but I got some cool stuff. He's got some cool stuff, and we'll be back to show you some cool stuff because we're cool guys. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Uh, Mike Gunzelman, a.k.a. Guns with a Z show. I got something here. We're going to we're gonna talk about iconic photos. But yesterday, a friend of mine, because I've been all over Jim Harbaugh, sent right. me a photo of this. Head-to-head, Jim Harbaugh versus Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer 4-0, Harbaugh 0-4. Versus top 10 teams, 12-5 Meyer, 5-13. Bowl games, 12-3 Meyer, 2-7 Harbaugh. Rivalry games. Harbaugh could win his next 100 straight games and still be behind Urban Meyer in winning (laughs) percentage. 100 straight. So I put that out on Twitter saying, is this an iconic photo? It kind of is. It's kind of, if you're an Ohio State fan, it kind of is. I'm sure that they would love to print it, print the posters right now, right? Every kid will have that hanging in their dorm for sure, you know? Also, that is a wild stat, my friend. That is a wild stat that Myers has been crushing it that much. And that uh, Harbaugh with all his uh, things, especially the last couple of years. Wow. Sometimes, you know, you know what it is? It, it, the, and that shows just how important like visualization and photos and images really are, because sometimes you don't know until it's thrown right in your face especially with stats because you can rattle them off left and right. We hear them play by play and uh, analysts do it all the time. But when it's right there, side by side, sums it all up. It's like, boom, facts don't lie. Numbers don't lie. (laughs) I, I honest to God, I I looked at that and uh, I don't, I I assume it's true. I mean, I'm just going off of what, you know, a guy together. Yeah. Since when, when does it, when, when does the internet ever lie in the past, right? Social media, we can trust Ooh. that. <laughs> I always said when I was coming up, it was if two guys in a bar told you it, it was the absolute truth. Now it's like if Twitter says it, it's the absolute truth, period. Don't even yeah. mess around with it. That's right. Thought on social media. Yeah. I should be uh, on that right. note. I should I should probably be dead from all those times I swallowed cherries with the pit inside. You know what I mean? I mean, growing up, that was like the one. Like, oh, you can't. You swallowed your gum. Oh my god! You know that's what <laughs> people said it. So. Takes seventy two years to dissolve that gum in your stomach. 
you're going to die first. And did you swallow yeah. a watermelon seed? You're going to have watermelons growing in your stomach. Like, oh, man. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. All right, let's go. Give me, give me your five top most iconic sports photos. I like this. Yeah, this is a fun one. So uh, I spent all weekend doing this. So you can check it over on outkick.com, of course, and 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 do it. And of course, everyone's gonna have their own opinions. But you know, it's uh there's sports moments and sports plays, and we all know those, but when you talk about a single image, it just captivates you. It puts you into a time, you understand it, kind of like some some of them have great emotion to them, some really don't, but you can just kind of see it in their eyes. So let me give you my top five sports photos. I'll be giving number five right now. All right. I want to throw back Super Bowl 42. All right, my friend, 2008, the New York Giants probably shouldn't have even been there against the New England Patriots. However, the Giants D was holding, holding, holding to a tremendous job, 14 to 10. However, Patriots just scored. Eli Manning trying to go down the field, third and five from his own 44. The Pats defenders come, and boy, did they get him. They're right there. He's scrambling. He somehow gets away. I have no idea how he got away. Chucks the ball, and we all know it, as the helmet catch. David Tyree, the fact that he caught it right there, that's all you need to know, my friends. Now, listen, I'm a, you know, 30, I mean, millennial. To me, this is unbelievable because it's so improbable, and you know it. Everybody for the test of time will see that photo and just start laughing because it should have happened. It will never happen again. You can't make it up. David Tyree, top, number five, right there. Of course, Giants go on to win the first ever Super Bowl 1991, uh, since 1991. But right there, my friend, I love that. I'm not even a Giants fan, but it's just so – David Tyree? Who the heck is David Tyree? But he did it right there. That is my number five, the helmet catch, my friend, Dan, right there. You know what? You know what? That picture, which is a great picture, that picture started me on something. That that catch started me on the insanity of NFL football players and how tough they are. Because think about it. He's got it against his helmet. And he if you if, if we had the whole he falls backwards. Like, and your natural reaction is to put your hands down and protect. He's just hanging on and just gets yeah. whacked by the ground, but pins it and hang. No, I'm with yeah. you. That That's a hell yeah. of a picture, a hell of a catch, and a hell of a moment. I think it happened here in India. I could be wrong. Yeah, 2008. And, and what's interesting is, we, you know, I I, I was going to do Montana to Dwight Clark. You know, that one's known as the catch. But, you know, that yeah. wasn't a Super Bowl and to be honest, I think, you know, it, people think that might be Montana to Jerry Rice or something. I don't think people even realize that that's Dwight Clark. Also, in modern years, how many times have we seen amazing – like, it was within the goal. It was within the 10-yard line. It was a scramble back, and he threw it. Obviously, it's an amazing play. It ended the Cowboys dynasty and started the 49ers. But I really think – I mean, with the helmet – you know, just like George Foreman is always with his grill, selling his grills. I have no idea why Tyree is not selling helmets everywhere. He should be the poster boy for helmets and the biggest sponsor ever for helmets after that catch, my friend. Oh my so that's God. number five right All there. Right. Let's, let's go. Four. Number four. Number four. Lake Placid, New York. We all know it. 1980 Winter 
Olympics, let's go. Group of college kids and beyond. No reason being there uh, against the big, bad Russians. Reminds me of the American Revolution. When the Redcoats are coming, they're big, bad. They're supposed to destroy us, you know, and we're just trying to pick them off one, one by one and just struggling, hanging on to survive. That's exactly what Team USA did right there. Look at them. They're exhausted. They're falling over each other. I don't, this is one of my favorite moments of all time in sports. Actually, one of my favorite patriotic moments as well, because it brought the country together. And oh my God, right there. I mean, right there, these misfits, these kids beating the Russians. It just, you can't even, oh, their faces and just body shows everything, you know? Perfect. Yeah, you know, I was in high school. We watched it. Um, couldn't believe it. I actually knew the score before because it was on tape delay and I had heard it at this girl's house, which really pissed me off. Uh, oh, my but God. Not only, not only did that create great pictures and it certainly created superstars, but the iconic moment of do you believe in miracles? Yes, is Al Greatest call. No matter what L. Michaels does, that's his signature, right? I mean, yep. so many things came out of that one game. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. From the you know, from the the political aspect, the geopolitical aspect, I should say, to the country uniting, to these, we had no chance. Just a just a, a feeling of hope, a feeling of you know what. Let's go, America. You know what I mean? Like, let's do this. And yeah, Al Michaels, the greatest, greatest call of all time. And uh, and of course, Herb Brooks, play your game, play your game, do it. And uh, he was able to get the, he was a tough SOB for anybody that's looked into him and knows the story of Herb Brooks, but he did it. He did exactly what he needed to do to get these guys together. So uh, there it is. That's my number four right there. Team USA. Let's jump to number three, Double D. Taking it back to 1965, May 25th, Muhammad Ali versus Sonny Liston, all right? This is a rematch from three months earlier where Ali defeated Liston for the heavyweight championship. Now, this fight, however, only had a few thousand people in attendance, all right? Sports Illustrated ended up putting this on the cover of the century's greatest sports photos of all time. Less than 90 seconds in, Ali hits Sonny. Sonny goes down. Ali in this photo is screaming, quote, get up and fight sucker because he was so mad that Sonny went down because he he, he was like, nobody's going to believe that this happened, essentially. And you just see his face. He is, I mean, ferocious, furious. It's Ali at his best right there just to become what he would. And he's furious. And also, like, you see the cigar smoke in the background, the darkness, Unbelievable photo right there. Like I said, Sports Illustrated called it the greatest photo um, of the last century. Yeah, and there was a ton going into that fight. I have that on my list as well, and I'm going to explain my thoughts on why I think it's such a great photo. But there was a ton, I mean a ton, going into that fight. Ali was actually the good guy. Sonny Liston was the mean guy, the blah, 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 blah. And you're right. Um Decades later, people still questioned whether Sonny Liston was influenced by the mob and took a dive. And right. to your point, yes. that is why Ali wanted him to get up, sucker, because I want to kick your ass again, damn it. Let's go. And look at it. And it's Number all two. about... It's all about single moments. Look at his face. Look at that emotion. Anybody right. who's ever done sports, like right. you can't, you only have that in that one moment. And it's a perfect photo. 
and captured right there. That's why it's up there. Number two, I'm throwing it yes. down to Air Jordan himself. All right. I'm bringing it back to the slam dunk competition where he levitates. Of course, Julius Irving had done it earlier in, in previous years, but Jordan double pumps, you know, clutch, boom, from the free throw line. Just he like that is Michael Jordan in my eyes. I wasn't even born when this slam dunk competition happened, but him being able to do that with the tongue out and the like, let's go. That was Michael Jordan right there. That's my number two. I mean, it's a slam dunk. Yeah. And also it's a slam dunk competition when Jordan and Dominique Wilkins, of course he beats Wilkins in this one, when people actually participated in it, unlike that spineless worm LeBron James who hasn't participated once in the slam dunk competition because he's too scared of his ego getting fractured. Here's Jordan participating for the second time right there. And dude, he is, he's like rolling on an escalator right there, an imaginary escalator straight to the hoop. You can't make it up, Dan. No, the deal is this, man. Jordan and Dominique went at it. I believe that was in Chicago, so the judges gave it to Jordan. People still mad at about it, but you're so right. You know, these guys, they understood they were growing the game. It was only seven years earlier, 19 – no, excuse me, six years earlier, 1980, where the NBA Finals of the Lakers against the Philadelphia 76ers was on tape delay. I mean, so the NBA was growing. Jordan and those guys, Dominique and Barkley, they all understood that they had to participate. Bird shot in three-point shootouts. Yeah. I mean, you kidding me? You had to build the deal, sport. And you had because they truly cared. And I write about this all the time. Yeah. You know, they're all like, oh, NBA ratings are falling, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, the, the load management thing. Oh, my God. I could talk about that for an hour and just start screaming. Like, it, like it doesn't like back then you had the biggest stars playing because they knew they had to grow the game. And it's not happening these days, at least not from the, your LeBron Jameses, you know? No, I agree. It's not, and it should. I mean, they're bringing guys up from the freaking G League to get in slam dunk contests, and here you yeah. got Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Clyde Drexler, guys that are first-team yeah. all-league. That's uh, stupid. It. I'm with you. All right, numero uno, Guns. This Number is one. the big one. This is the big one. I am a huge baseball fan, yeah. but also it's just absolutely iconic. World Series, game one, 1954, You've got the Giants and the Indians. Game is tied two apiece, eighth inning. All right? Man on second. The ball gets hit, and Willie Mays in center field just starts running backwards. Just starts running. Over 420 feet, the ball was hit. If that was today, that would be out of nearly every single ballpark easily. But back then, of course, you just start running. You just start running because it was huge fields. Doesn't even know. What's great about this, it's called the catch. This is called the catch. Now, you look at that, it's like you compare it to modern-day football. It's like, yeah, you know, Rodgers, I can run like this, and Aaron Rodgers will perfectly place the ball in my hands. This is a baseball that he has no idea where it is. He's extending fully out, catches the ball, basket, like a basket, then – before he falls down, just chucks the ball back, holds the runner at second. Giants go on to win the game in extra innings, 5-2, to two, go on to win the whole entire World Series. How about this for a fact? You know me, I'm a big fact uh, fact guy. Scientists, uh, you know, they, they did a study on this, and they said that if it was one degree, um, if it was one degree 
It was 76 degrees. So if it was 77 degrees, the ball would have traveled four more inches and he wouldn't have caught it. <laughs> he wouldn't have been able to catch it. But because it was 76 degrees, they did this whole thing. I read it all last night about it. But you can't make this up. It just shows that leap of faith, the beauty about sports that you never know. And all it takes is it's a game of – they call it a game of inches. This is literally a catch by inches, known as the catch. I love it. Willie Mays, number one, goes on to win the World Series, of course. That's my top five, Dan. Come on now. I'm a 30-year-old. That's a good list, my friend. That is a good list. That's a great list. That's a great list. And here's what I think when I when I see that. I, I think, man, how far did you have to hit a baseball to center field to get it? He's 420 right there. To get it At least, over yeah. <laughs> that big ass fence, right? I mean, how far yes. to get to those guys that are in the yep. front row? I remember yep. I'm a little kid. True story. I'm a little kid. We were playing a game called Five Dollars. I'm not. I ran backwards and I made a catch like this, and I immediately ran in. My dad was sleeping. I go, Dad, I just made a Willie Mays over my. I was so excited yep. that I had made that catch. All right, my top five. The first one doesn't matter to anybody except for me. What has two thumbs in this picture matters to? This guy. Because this picture right here, 1976, the Indiana Hoosiers were the only team or last team in college basketball to go undefeated. And this was going from the right. Quinn Buckner, uh, Kent Benson, Scott May, Bobby Wilkerson, Tom Abernathy, Wayne Radford, Bob Knight in the middle, and Jimmy Cruz on the left. To me, I remember seeing this picture as a kid and thinking, what a bunch of badasses. They're coming into New York City, <laughs> okay. and they are just going to whoop ass because in my mind, I wasn't even that big Indiana <laughs> fan. These guys right. were untouchable. They went 32-0. and They went 29-1 and the year before. Only the guy uh, third from the right, Scott May, player of the year, breaking his arm. But they're walking through New York. It's a business trip. Knight's got his book. They all got their rain jackets on, ties, right. a bow tie for Bobby Wilkerson. <laughs> Just a bunch of studs walking down the street. That's always been an ballers. iconic picture. Ballers. Two yeah. me guns. Ballers. <laughs> ballers. There you go. Baby. Ballers. Yeah. Right Love above it. your Love side. It. You know what right they are? They are balling. balling. They are balling in that photo. Let's go. They're balling. <laughs> Greatest football player I ever saw, Walter Payton. Walter Payton, if you look at okay. him, he threw touchdown passes. He ran. Never ran out of bounds. And this is Walter Payton. He would carry the ball like a loaf of bread in the open field. And when he accelerated, it was like, wow. And to me as a kid, we all guns, we all wanted to be Walter Payton. We all wanted to, we would carry the ball like this. We would put it when we, when we got tackled, Walter Payton always moved the ball a little bit ahead. You weren't allowed yeah. to run out of bounds in our neighborhood football games because Walter Payton it. didn't run out of bounds. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, just yeah. iconic right there. So that sums he, it all up. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the, he's the best I ever saw. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm going to show you a picture. I don't, I don't know if you've seen these, but I'm going to show you this picture and I'm going to tell you this ball went in the basket. Let me show you the next picture. That went in the basket. That defies all logic and also uh, physics. <laughs> How does that yeah. happen? <laughs> That is the greatest wow. basket I've ever seen in my life. That is Dr. J in the NBA Finals. The guy on the right is Mark Landsberger, who's about 6'9". Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is going to block the shot. You see that 
Julius Irving is already in the air. The ball ends up on this side, so on the left side of the basket, he lays it in on the left side. If you get a chance to go to YouTube, watch this basket. It, it, I saw it live. I don't know how old I was, but it was the greatest basket I've ever seen in basketball. I, and, wow. and he made it. I mean, look just look easy, at it. That, and that's that the moment. Ball, and that sums up his greatness right there. And the fact that like that's so improbable to even happen. That nails it. Yeah. Imagine like a normal human being first holding the ball out like that, jumping from the lane line and getting to the other lane line, swinging it under the basket and up and around. Gone. Kareem, That's Kareem, right there. Oh, against Kareem coming at you. Right, right. Wow. Right. That ain't That's that a, ain't yeah. slap dick Johnny coming at you. That's Kareem coming at you, big boy. That's, that's a great photo. I've never uh, actually Sonny seen Liston. that. That's a great one. Isn't that unbelievable? Uh, Sonny Liston, and I put Ali on here too, and your description of it was perfect. But I also want to tell people that say, well, you know, athletes are bigger and stronger these days. Just have a look at Muhammad Ali right there. Just have a look at that right arm right there, the chest, the legs, and tell me, yeah, I know athletes are bigger, better, stronger. But Ali was an athletic freak. The things he did yeah. at six foot, I stood next to him one time, about, about my it? height, a little bit shorter, maybe six foot four, had dancing, the foot movement, the balance, the strength, and look at that physique on him. And if we stood Sonny Liston up, he would look about the same, man. That, I love just that cut. picture. I, I, huge I've always loved cut. that picture. Yeah. Yeah, and, right? and 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 the emotion, the uh, emotions, and just and and when you find out that he's literally mid sentence right there screaming, "Get up, sucker! Come on!" because he wanted to crush him. He didn't want any doubts. He didn't want any naysayers. He didn't want anybody to not believe in him. He was screaming at him to get up. He's like, "I'm not finished with you, mf'er. Let's go!" Right. <laughs> you know, right, right. Oh, Guys actually did swear back in the day. I'm just saying. Uh, and in my number one, I, I, I love this picture. This is, this is Oscar Robertson getting a rebound. Look at this. Oh, this I've never is a seen rebound. this one either. Wow. Holy. How about this? The big, oh, again, imagine. people say athletes now are bigger, stronger, and they are. But look at my man. And then if you get a chance, you can't really blow it up. The crowd, everybody's in jackets and ties and hats, right? Everybody... Now, the Big O played for the University of Cincinnati and is an iconic player. But I, I go try to do this. Just go try to do this right here. And just for like a second, try to do this, right? Yeah. This is unbelievable, Guns. Yeah. I, 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 my, my groin is hurting just looking at this. I like how you tell me to go do this. You want me to call you when I'm in the hospital with a pulled groin after this? Yes. Like your body should yeah. be that flexible, that high in the air as a basketball player. What a photo, though. But also, what a photo to catch it in that split second because just look at it. It's not like you can go frame by frame by frame like you can today. It's not like you can zoom in to see if the runner's on the base or not or for like any of that. This is all just natural, and it's almost like fate in some instances that it would be captured like this in an iconic photo. And that's why I wanted to do the top five because it's it truly it summarizes whether it's the passion, the fight of Ali to just the ridiculous – athleticism of Oscar Robertson right here just and everybody in the background like it just it captures a moment right there it's awesome
You know, when I was being recruited, the University of Cincinnati sent me, uh, they sent me a, it, it, it was different, but school, you know, in, in high school, you had these folders. You'd put your stuff in and fold. they sent me a University of Cincinnati Bearcat folder, and in it was this picture. So me and my buddies, we went out, you know, I mean, I'm 17. I'm being recruited high major. I'm an athlete, right? Right. You couldn't even be, couldn't do this off a stepladder. You know what I mean? mean? One could only hope. Hey, we could go, we go to a trampoline and couldn't do that. You know, that's wild. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Sports I appreciate- photos, man. Go ahead. Great stuff. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it is a great conversation. I just want to send this to everybody. Dan, thanks for having me on. Love you, my man. Obviously, always. Um, but everyone can have their own top five, and I'm interested to hear it. So this article is up on outkick.com. We're going to do socials with it. I love to see what you the watcher, the viewer at home has to say, you know, try to take it out of your own element. You know what I mean? Or you can be like Dan and pick number five. That uh, means a lot to him. But whatever it might be, <laughs> let us know. But there's so many. My honorable mention, Dan, like there's so like it is a tough list. It took me all weekend. It's not an easy list to make. So that's why, you know, we're going to throw it to the audience right there. We're going to throw it to the double D audience and let us know what you think. Feel free to tweet us and all that. Check out the article, outkick.com. Dan, this is awesome, man. I mean, I'm I'm. I'm hyped up and I'm going to go check out that. I never saw the Julius Irvin one before. And now I know the backstory on it. And now I can continue relaying that to other people. Boom. Sports. Let's go. You, you have to go watch that shot. And there's a YouTube you can find where it slows it down. And you're like, Holy hell. Like what a freak. Like, you know, all right, brother. Thank you. I appreciate you. Appreciate that. Take care. It's always fun with my Gunzelman. It just is. And go check it out. Iconic photos are fun. I really like them. I'm a big Sports Illustrated guy going back. I had Sports Illustrated under my beds when I was when I was in high school, at least my first couple years in high school. My mother was a teacher. My father was a teacher. And every C that I got, I had to study an hour a night. So I had six classes. You know, if I got a C, it was an hour a night. If I got two Cs, it was two hours a night. I was a pain in the ass. So I couldn't pass geometry, but I got a C. And then I had another class that I didn't care about, so I got a C. So I had to study two hours a night, and I had this stack. A lot of guys had a stack of nudie books this high, like vacation. Not me. I had Sports Illustrated. I kept all of them. I loved them. They were all in my closet. So I would grab Sports Illustrated and read articles and reread articles. And, like, I can tell you that Tim Foley, the shortstop for the Montreal Expos, was married to the Playboy Playmate of the Year. Now, guys are like, how do you know that? I go, Sports Illustrated. But Sports Illustrated, back when it mattered, had the greatest pictures. And most of those pictures that both Guns and I took out were from Sports Illustrated. Obviously, obviously now uh, you can do all kind of things. You know, you can... I Google them. You can do, you know, whatever. But, man, back in the day, you guys know what I'm talking about. Sports Illustrated, you would see it, you would know it, and away you would go with it. Hey, Tim Tebow back in the news, and I like it. Tim Tebow is launching a new campaign to fight human trafficking and save child sex victims. Look, The deal is really simple. Here it is. I believe human trafficking and child sexual exploitation are two of the greatest evils we face today. Boy, is he right. Uh, On this World Day Against Trafficking, we are launching unknown children around the world are suffering from horrific sexual abuse. Many 
from the very people who are meant to protect them. For my 38th birthday, it is my hope and prayer we can come together to identify as many children as possible. TimTebowFoundation.org backslash unknown is where to go, man. You think about the things that we worry about. You think the things that our government is involved in. And you, I just go back to Biden and all the money that they have trafficked or all the money they have stolen or all the money, whatever you want to call it. And I say, man, if these folks, instead of worrying about themselves, if these folks, instead of worrying about their own self, I don't know, <clears throat> self-worth value, if they decided they were going to do what they were elected to do, which, oh, by the way, is serve the public, we could have a lot of our problems in our society solved. We really could. I mean, we got billions going to places that don't matter. What if we took the money or even half of the money that was going, <clears throat> excuse me, to the Ukraine and put it to fight sex trafficking in our own country? What would happen then? What would happen if we had not corrupt agencies, departments of justice, FBI, CIA, and others that actually worked for the greater good? That's what needs to happen here. We need to get folks that are committed to working for the greater good. And I would tell you that anybody that's ever been around Tim Tebow knows that that's exactly what he's about. It's sad, really. It really is. I'm sure we have different organizations. I'm sure we have things. But, man, we worry about the dumbest things. Ugh. And all the while, we've got horrific things going on inside of our own country. But we don't seem to care. Certainly the people that make millions as government officials that have massive houses, couple $5 million houses like the Biden family does on $171,000 salaries. Certainly they're doing something to make themselves some money that isn't in line with their salary and they could be doing more for others. It just makes me nuts. If you're a Biden guy, I don't know how you are. Hey, I'm not a Trump guy at all. I want people in there that have some decency, some common sense, and some word or and some thought and caring about us, not themselves. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. We have had a nice day. Jets over under nine and a half wins. We're going to have a show coming up here in about two weeks where we start discussing over and unders. I think the bear is going to join us and we're going to get into some of that. But I looked at it. I'm looking at it right now. According to Caesars, Jets over under. I'm going to wait a little bit. I got a friend that wants to meet up and start talking college football over unders. I'm going to wait a little bit, man. College campuses have not opened. NFL camp just started. We got a lot of injuries. Hell, we've talked about Zach Moss, the Colts running back, who is going to be, I guess, if Jonathan Taylor is going to keep whining and Jimmy Ursay is going to keep talking, I guess he is going to be Zach Moss, the starting quarterback, except or running back, except that he isn't. Why? Because he broke his arm. See, you can't go with over-unders until you get right before the start of the season because in football, these dudes get hurt. They get hurt like it's their J-O-double-B. I I don't understand this, uh, but I don't understand a lot of things. Uh, Here's the deal. So Cardi B is on stage, and some idiot throws something at her. And this clown, Cardi B then throws the mic and yells some expletive. Let's see from the big-breasted one. 
This past weekend, Cardi B was performing on stage in Las Vegas and had a drink thrown on her by a fan. My initial reaction was, that is so not cool. I hate that fans are becoming so emboldened and disrespectful that this keeps happening to performers. Then I saw Cardi B's reaction. She took her microphone and threw it at the fan. Again, I kind of thought maybe this was a little bit too intense of a reaction, but I kind of understood that it was a knee-jerk reaction and she was upset because she had a drink thrown on her. But then I woke up this morning and saw that she quite literally just moments before was asking fans to splash her down while on stage in the most disgusting of manners. Watch this. Cardi, how are you going to ask fans to splash you down and then get upset when a fan throws a drink on you? And then go as far as to throw your microphone at that fan. If you ask me, this fan is owed a huge apology. I mean, what a world. Splash me down. <laughs> God. Every day we deal with stupidity. Every. Splash me down. Make some vulgar comment. I mean, are you a performer? What are you? What are you? And now you're going to throw your mic at a lady. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Cardi B is a suspect in assault. As, uh, okay. Remember when Paul Pierce got fired a few years ago? He had stripper and blow and he was drunk. And well, he reveals he had a, a lot of, uh, alcohol when he posted a stripper video of himself with a bunch of blow. Look, I mean, what are you 10? Seriously? What, what are you 10 years old? You had a bunch of booze. All right, you had a bunch of booze. And you think at 10 years old, it's what? It's a good idea? Oh, hey. Hey, guess what? I am going to, oh, I don't know. I'm going to make a video of me with strippers, me with hookers, me all of a sudden uh, smoking, drinking, and oh, I don't know, post it so that my bosses can see it at an organization where they tell you to be careful on social media. Maybe I wouldn't be on Mars if that didn't happen. We all make mistakes. What? What? He's one of the stars on Mars, a reality TV show based on celebrities living together. So Paul Pierce, Richard Richard Seymour, uh, let's see. Ronda Rousey, Marshawn Lynch, and Lance Armstrong are all living together in this show. There were girls just there dancing, a lot of alcohol. Okay. Oh, all right. Yay. It was a whole big controversy. I mean, it wasn't nothing illegal. It was just girls, girls, girls shaking their butts. He didn't say butts. See, this is what every day is just stupidity. Every day it's just entitled stupidity. And it's not just black or white because I know that's where you're going to go. No, it's just, you know. <clears throat> It's just, yeah, I lost my job at ESPN over. You know, we all make mistakes. Maybe I wouldn't be on Mars. See, things happen for a reason. All right. Yeah, all right. Paul Pierce. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Uh, Suns owner Matt Ishbia plans a, listen to this, 60,000-square-foot mansion with an amusement park. 60,000. Thousand square foot mansion. 
60,000 square feet with an amusement park. His brother, Justin, is uh, building a $77 million home on Lake Michigan. The boys are on a spending spree. My wife right now is working at Athleta. And she's working at Athleta because she likes their clothes. And she gets 50% off their clothes. So she will work, oh, I don't know. I think she went to work 10 to 2 today or something like that for about 18 an hour, 15 an hour, whatever it is. And then she will spend more than that. That's a dockage spending spree. That is. But I would love to go on a $77 million spending spree. I would love to go on a 60,000-square-foot home building project with an amusement park, and I'm not mad at him for doing it. I always said if I had the scratch to do it, I would build and have the most fun house, the most fun area, you name it. If I had the scratch, I would put it in there. I wouldn't put an amusement park in. It seems like it would be a pain in the ass to insure, but there would be golf holes. There would be replica holes, and it would be fun. So I'm all in on dudes spending a lot of money on stuff. I'm all in on a guy building a house. But here's the deal, man, 60,000 square feet. Now, we've all heard of guys. We've all heard guys going and getting broke even after they had a ton of scratch. We've all heard of this. So can you imagine 60,000 square feet? Hey, some dude named Ronald Jones for the Cowboys has been suspended for two games for what, you ask? Violating the PED agreement. Why do you only get suspended for two games? I don't understand it. Two games? Look, if PEDs are only going to cost you two games and you are going to, oh, I don't know, get a career out of it, I don't know. I mean, what the hell? Seems to me like Ronald Jones uh, is getting off. Seems to me he's getting off pretty good. I mean, if PEDs allow you to be in the league and they're only going to take two of 17, meaning you play 17 games, you get 17 game checks, and you only get to lose two of them, PEDs for everybody. Water the infield. Why would anybody care? Seriously, why, why would it? I mean, I would do it. I'd do it now. Seriously, I would, I, I would do it now in a second. No question about it. No, oh, are you kidding? Hey, more than 100 trans men entered the Miss Italy pageant to protest the born female rule. Hey, look, that's great. Uh, so what happened? What, what happened was in Italy they said, "Look, we are not going to let you enter our Miss Italy pageants." As a dude, you got to be born a chick. I use the word chick again. Drinking game tomorrow. Every time I use the word chick, let's do it. So you got to be born a woman to enter the Miss Italy beauty pageant. Think about the stupid stuff we talk about. You got to be born a woman to enter the Miss Italy beauty pageant. Ten years ago, would that have ever come out of anybody's mouth? Is that progress or regression? I digress. I think it's regression. We are that stupid, stupid, that we are going to discuss this. 100 women 
trans men entering beauty pageant for women, born dudes entering a pageant for women. All right. All right. A lot of you are asking me my thoughts on Jonathan Taylor. I'll give you my thoughts on Jonathan Taylor. When you're healthy, you better get back out there and play. Let me explain something to you. My thoughts on Jonathan Taylor are this. I think he's a tremendous player. I think he's a tremendous athlete. I think he is a special person, a special player. I do. I think he has everything that you want out of an athlete. He's smart. He's incredibly gifted. He works at his craft. He works like a crazy man at his craft. He generally shows up for work. He does. But, but, this is the first time in his life that he has faced professional, and actually you can go back to college, adversity. He's faced it. It's come right in his face. Hey, look, Jonathan Taylor has always been the starter. Jonathan Taylor has always been the star. Jonathan Taylor has always been the symbol of excellence, whether it was even with the Colts and certainly in high school and absolutely at Wisconsin. But now you got adversity. How are you going to handle it? I don't, I don't know that he's handled it right. I don't know that he's handled it wrong. And let me explain. Sure, we can all say, hey, look. It's great. This is what the market says you're worth. Take your contract. But as we were talking yesterday with Tommy Waddle, for the Colts, it's a little bit different. It is. For the Colts, they don't have Patrick Mahomes. They don't have a stud wide receiver. They don't have weapons. Who's the weapon? Jonathan Taylor. When you list the Colts' weapon, now again, I don't know what Anthony Richardson's going to be. I have no idea. But everybody tells me that Anthony Richardson is not ready. I don't know. The number one weapon for the Colts is Anthony Richardson. Think about this. How many teams is the number one weapon, the running back? Barkley it is, pretty much. Pretty much. So they signed. He got market value. When when Saquon Barkley signed, that set the market for Jonathan Taylor. It just did it, not just with the Colts. So you can jump up and down, stand on your head and crap snowballs and say, hey, I want to be traded. And you know what you say to that? Great. We'll see you practice. We'll work on it, Jonathan. Well, yeah, we'll work on it. That's what you say. Then Jonathan Taylor has a decision. Jonathan Taylor's decision is, do I want to play under this deal? Now, I know he's on pup, and everybody's saying it's a back. He's saying it's not a back. But do you want to play? It's that simple. If you want to play, that means you're going to get paid. If you don't want to play, that means you're not going to get paid. It's that simple. The Colts have all the leverage. They got him in a final year of a deal, and they can franchise him for two years. That's the bottom line. You can say, do, think, anything else, but if I'm the Colts, zero shot of trading Jonathan Taylor. Zero. No matter what your buddies tell me, you got him this year, you got him franchised for two more years. Three years from now, hey, man, good luck to you. Go out there and be Delvin Cook. Go out there and be the guy that's running around trying to find a team. Ah, good. 
But that is the life, and Jimmy Ursay knows it, and ain't a damn thing, not one single thing Jonathan Taylor could do. If I were Jimmy Ursay, I might say, all right, here's the deal. We want you here. We're going to give in. We're going to sign you to a three-year deal, which would start this year. Boom. And go through the franchise tag. We're going to give you $12 million. We're going to give you 11 this year, 12 next year, 13 the year after. Comes out to $12 million a year, three years. Jonathan Taylor is making nothing. If I were Jonathan Taylor, you have a choice. If you don't want it, then don't play. If you just want to stay in the franchise tag, stay in the franchise tag. It's all good with me. What do I care? But that is what I would do were I the Colts, period. A lot of people are, well, they should do I'm just telling you what I would do. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. This guy was a tennis player back in the day. All right? His name was Jimmy Arias. Now, Jimmy Arias was a pretty good tennis player. I remember Jimmy Arias. He's a pretty good tennis player. He is now, he is now an announcer for ESPN and And I remember Jimmy Arias back in the day being kind of a handsome guy, a talented guy. Never quite broke through. I think he was, I'm not sure. I think he was a little bit after McEnroe and Connors and those guys are right in there. And then Sampras and Becker came and those guys and Arias was never quite to them, but he was good. Good enough. Hell yeah. Jimmy Arias is saying Inga Swiatek is hurting tennis by wearing her hat too low. From my standpoint, I don't think she's been great for women's tennis. She wears her hat so low that you can't even see her face or her eyes during a match. So you don't get a connection as much as you could. I don't mind her getting angry some ways, but I want to see her personality. I'm not mad at this take. It's bizarre. It's different. And I don't know that She's great for tennis with her head a little bit up or down. I don't know. But here's one thing I do know, and I'll go both sides on this. Inga is comfortable wearing her hat down. In my day, back in the day, let me see here. We used to wear our hats kind of up. You know, you didn't really pull them down. In today's day, you look kind of stupid with your hat up, particularly when you got a bald head. I look like I don't even know what I look like. I don't like but this is how – I don't have a ball cap down here. Let me see. Yeah, I do. All right. I got my Cubs hat. I got props, ladies and gentlemen. So this is how it used to go. It used to go with it up here a little bit. And now most guys wear it like this. All right? Now, when I play golf, sometimes this bald head has to have it down like this, and sometimes it can have it like this. Obviously, when you have it like this, you can see me better. You can see my face. You can get a connection with my intensity, my eyes. When I have it like this, I look a little more menacing. In fact, I would argue, and I have argued, that you put a hat on me, Tiger Woods, myself, and my buddy Cam Safali are arguably the three best-looking men in America with a hat on. Pulled down. You take the hat off, not so good. Although I must tell you, I'm starting to really, really become infatuated with myself and my looks. I think I'm really looking good lately. I'm kind of digging it with the tan and the sheen that I put on. I got some stuff. Now, it's not helping this here. But I get what he's saying. You can't really see my eyes right here. And as an analyst or as a fan, 
You want to see eyes. You want to see into the soul. You want to get a grip of the competition. Now, from her side, she don't give a rat. She's just trying to win. Amen. Say whatever you want. I'm just trying to win. Let me, let me bring it all back full circle. Uh, apparently, the women's national soccer team, according to Carly Lloyd, screwed up yesterday. Carly Lloyd, a favorite of the soccer community. She was a really good player on World Cup champion. She went off on Fox because the women's national soccer team celebrated on the field. Did, I, I, I'm telling you, I hate these things. I, I've had enough. And what a stupid thing to hate right? I hate it. It's like you can be the biggest jackass in the world, but do this and you're, you know, you're not, you're exonerated. I hate it. I don't like it. I don't want anything to do with it. I do not like it. I will not respect it. It's done in my life, but that's what the girls, the little girls were doing to, uh, in the crowd to the soccer player. I don't even know how you do it. And the soccer players were giving it back, taking pictures, dancing around. There was a bunch of little girls and women and everybody was having a good time. Carly Lloyd didn't like it. You tied. There's no celebration. Well, I disagree. I'm actually torn, but I disagree. You got into the round of 16. That's cause for celebration. I played well. In fact, I don't really care. There was no chance I was getting up to watch. I'll watch if they get in the finals, if I can bet on it, and I can get a good number for them. But I got to tell you, I don't have any problem celebrating getting into the round of 16. Now, they didn't win, but they didn't lose. I also, part of me thought, you know what? And I don't think this is true. My wife said this. She goes, you know, Dan, maybe, just maybe, it's not that important to them. Maybe, just maybe, it's one of those deals where, I don't know, it's an activity, not a sport. And I said it earlier. You know, if you're playing golf and you're drinking 10 beers on the course, you're smoking cigarettes, is it really a sport? Or is it an activity? I don't know. To the women's soccer team, maybe it's just an activity. Maybe it's just fun. Maybe it's just, ah, we're going to do something. We're going to go out here and play. But I thought Carly Lloyd, uh, I, I think we just sometimes look for too many things to complain about. I put a video out yesterday where I said, look, nobody, somebody didn't send me the memo on I'm supposed to be upset about the U.S. women's national team not singing the national anthem. I thought we were just supposed to stand. Now we're supposed to stand, put our hand on our heart. Now we're supposed to stand, put our hand on our heart, and belt it out. All right. I think we're just nitpicking the women's national soccer team. I do. And you know what? I don't have that much of an interest, although I am talking about it. But I don't care. They advance it around the 16th. Side note. See this right here? Probably shouldn't do this. But let me tell you something in the summer. Get yourself a mug. Put water in it. Rinse it out. Just no water in it. Just, Just put it in your fridge. Freeze it. Put two of them in there. And rotate them. And drink A&W Diet in that frosted mug. And I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. I tried it with rum one time. It didn't go. I tried it with vodka. It didn't go. I tried it with tequila. No. This, ladies and gentlemen, that is to be drank only by itself in a frosty mug tonight when the Cubs are playing against the Reds. That's why I am wearing this jersey, supporting the Cubs, who lost last night because Marcus Stroman is the worst pitcher second half. Uh, Nick and I were talking about it. He's awful. He's Mr. April. He destroys teams in the second half. Get rid of Stroman. Let's get somebody in there. I don't know. He was terrible last night. 
All right, let's woke and dope it, baby. Let's go. Let's wokey and dopey. Joe Biden. <laughs> I love Joe Biden things. When did he know and when did he forget it? Joe Biden, this is beautiful. The big guy. The big guy for the brand, Joe Biden. Joe Biden and the brand. Joe Biden said, I've never talked to any of Hunter's business associates. Hunter's business associates said, yeah, he put him on the phone 20 times. Then the Democrats, some idiot leader, well, they were only talking about pleasantries like the weather. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> when did he know it? And when did he forget it, ladies and gentlemen? That is the question. What else you got? <clears throat> For those of you that don't know the reference, this is from the movie Airplane. And Lloyd Bridges on the right says, oh, I picked a bad day to stop sniffing glue. Oh, man. Hunter Biden, his plea deal fell through. You see it on the top. Picked a bad day to give up cocaine. Oh, the coca plant has gotten Hunter Biden through many, many, many things. And I'm sure the coca plant will get Hunter Biden through this. Hunter Biden is protected. Hunter Biden, they are renting at 30 grand a month, the Secret Service is a place in Malibu next to Hunter Biden to protect Hunter Biden. Okay. I don't think he's worth 30 grand a month to protect. Protect yourself, dipstick. Protect yourself from your criminal criminal friends and your criminal enemies and take the 30 grand and put it into California for their uh, sex trafficking defense. Do that as opposed to giving it to the state of California in rent. Man, Hunter Biden is a pox upon our society. Hunter Biden is the worst human being. Not Actually, he's the second worst named Biden, which is interesting. All right, what do we got next? Modern historians hating on every historical figure. Why does nobody want to study history? That's right. Like, every historical, you're not allowed to have, well, do you know that back in 1810, Jimmy Joe had slaves in his family? Well, yeah. It's history. You should learn from it. Don't repeat it. Well, we got to get rid of this statue. Whatever happened to the get rid of statue movement? Whatever happened to the where are the slaves? Who had slaves? I'll tell you what happened to that one. Hunter Biden's dad, Joe Biden's family, had slaves. Camilla Harris who claims to be black, but it ain't blacker than me. Uh, and I'm pretty dark right now, but she ain't blacker than me. She's like Indian and Panamanian or something. I don't know. But she, like Obama, claims to be black. But anyway, they, they uh, it stopped when they had slaves in their family. And by the way, did anybody catch the picture of Barack Obama with his black eye and his fingers taped up playing golf a couple days after that chef died. That was a weird picture. You don't really see former presidents with black eyes. You don't really see former presidents with cuts on their hands. You don't really see former presidents in anything really other than, I don't know what, a suit and a tie, a tuxedo, maybe some golf attire, maybe some exercise attire. That's about all you see. But you don't see him sporting a black eye in a golf course. You certainly don't see him with all cut up fingers. It makes you wonder what's going on. Maybe the do-nothing president, Obama, actually did something. 
I don't know. Ronnie Jackson joins us tomorrow. Can't wait. Joe Namath is going to join us later on in the week. Apparently, Jolton or uh, Joe Willie Namath is a fan of me and our show, and we're very excited about that. Broadway Joe? Are you kidding me? I'd like to hang out one day with Broadway Joe. I don't care if he's older. I just want to be in his aura. Broadway Joe's got aura, baby. Broadway Joe's got panache. So he supposedly is joining us later on in the week. I'm not going to be on Friday. I got stuff I got to do. I'm sorry about our YouTube. Our YouTube went south. So I guess it's only Twitter for today. We hope to have it resolved back tomorrow. Uh, Hold on. Nick's sending me a text. Oh, Jonathan Isaac, the man who famously stood for the National Anthem, former Florida State basketball player, NBA basketball player. He's going to join us tomorrow as well. We got a monster for you coming up on a What the Hell Wednesday. It's a beautiful day outside. Get a, get outside, roll around in the grass. Uh, yesterday, I got a little bit naked, went out my balcony. Yeah, no one can see me. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Cubs, go tonight. Go, we need this one.